0: good people world, like of Los Angeles. Go, do, do. Nigga, pop, Tonight on the FCFC F- 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 pod, we are in a nigga, new backyard I'm in an undisclosed location my discussing, my girl, my bro, discussing rather, right. shall we say, a confidential right. material. We have received word that Kendrick, that Kendrick right. Lamar will be releasing his fifth, fifth studio album. Fifth studio.
1: May 16th, right. 2022?
0: May 13th. May 13th. I got it wrong already because that's the type of guy I am. I don't know what other type of guy I am. I'm guys fucking enthusiastic. That's right. I dropped the F bomb ahead of time already. <laughs> I don't even give a shit. This is the Kendrick Lamar Appreciation episode. I'm a man who has loved Kendrick, uh, not since the very beginning, which you'll which you'll hear about on this episode, but since very, very early on, and he's really changed the Los Angeles music, changed uh, so many things about the hip hop industry from within the city that we call home the city. We love we felt with the with the upcoming fifth album and knowing that so many people in the North and so many people in the LAFC world love music and love learning about music, we thought we'd share our own memories of Kendrick and dive into some of his tunes, play some of his music for you guys and just vibe out to a great artist. Um, I think above all, when artists uh, are no longer with us and they pass away, we all look at retrospectively about their stuff and Kendrick is still here. He's still making music. It's time to give some flowers. Always smell him. One of the greatest artists of all time. Still making stuff and I hope to God I get to go see him for the First time live, I've never actually seen him perform. So if he tours, I'm gonna go see it. Slim, do you wanna hit him with the
2: warning? Ladies and gentlemen, we are in the backyard of My Place. And there are helicopters flying, cops in the background, dogs barking. Y'all know what it is, Dwee's already cussed. Um seventy-two hours of fucking the earth and Girl, I know you want to do it. Do, 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 yeah. Light
1: like that candle. La vela está encendida. FC are back. Back in black. FC FC.
2: to the FCFC pod where two scholars and a dickhead look at the world through a black and gold tinted lens. It's your favorite thick Korean. Slam. My voice still isn't back. Sitting across from me is the sexy one, the spicy one, Josh Spice.
3: Mm, check, please. <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay. To my right is the bearded one, the Zen master. Not really. The neurotic one. The, most the tea stressed,
0: master, the most stressed, the Dweez.
1: Everybody put three fingers in the air.
0: What's up? Yeah. We did it for
3: all the
2: let's just oh. Yeah, we have fingers in the air right now. Different combinations yeah. of fingers. Well, dweeze, tonight's a little different. We don't have a guest. Oh, but we're we a little musical to start.
0: But we have something else, Slim. What do we got? We got loyalty. Uh, t- inside my Metamore DNA. Supernatural forces what I see. We got deep cuts. We got we got big hits. We got
1: we got a little bit of everything tonight,
0: boys. We got a Kendrick Lamar episode coming at you live and direct. As y'all know,
2: Kendrick will be releasing his last TDE album. What is it? May thirteenth. May thirteenth. May thirteenth. And uh, five one three uh, you know i don't know if it's the end of an era start of a new chapter whatever it is but he's left his his footprint on los angeles culture and we thought as a podcast that that you know thinks we represent los angeles to a certain extent we we should uh give him his just due and and do a little deep dive in in the impact he's had in LA in our lives,
0: but before that, we should at least talk about the fact that when we look out at this beautiful view from whence we came, and an undisclosed lo- other other backyard, <laughs> and the other backyard, we can actually see the imprints of Kendrick Lamar's feet uh, on several of the neighborhoods uh, in the distance.
3: Yeah, really, from all the way out here? <laughs> <laughs> oh, meta- metaphorically, metaphorically. Yeah, I mean, it's- he's a
2: lot more west than wherever. West and South.
0: West, West, yeah. Well, we don't know where he is now. It could be anywhere.
2: Yeah. it could be everywhere. No phone, just, you know, out in a fucking treehouse somewhere.
0: So, I mean, first of all, I want to give myself a little bit of a... I'm going to big myself up. I had some serious internet chops. I had to sleuth to figure this out. I don't know how often I visit Twitter. It's not very often. But I happened to go to Twitter 28 minutes after Kendrick announced this album coming out. And I don't remember the last time I was so excited about a new rap album. I mean, when I was in college and the few years after college when I was covering Los Angeles hip hop very heavily, I often had, you know, my, my pulse. I, I knew which releases were coming out, which weeks and which month. Like I, you know, I, I knew I cared so much about when things were about to drop. And I just haven't felt that feeling in a long time. Um, Ever since it changed to Fridays instead of Tuesdays? Well, I mean, a lot of things changed, but I'm talking about like at least in the last couple of years where I was like really anticipating a drop. And as soon as I saw that, I felt like it was a sign from the musical gods that I needed to, you know, get excited about this release, talk about this release, talk about Kendrick and his career. And I think to answer your question, Slim, we're not about speculation, like... I just have this feeling that like, this is the last album we're getting of Kendrick Lamar as Kendrick Lamar, like in more ways than one, you know, and he might even, it's
2: going to be K dot again.
0: I mean, if we get other music from him, I think it's just going to be way different Mm. and it's going to be on a different lane. And we may never get music from him again. Like I could see a ton of different things happening. This is just all my gut instincts with this guy. Um, But you know, he had his whole, his whole thing. He talked about, I mean, he's, Talks about like not having a phone for months at a time, right? And someone who necessarily like shuns the limelight, I think more than other artists. And yeah, man, I mean, he's born in 1987. I'm born in 86. Like, I feel like I grew up with his music as he was growing up with his music. And although, you know, Drake, I think Drake is 80, 85 or 1986, same era. I think uh, J. Cole might be around that same 85, 86, 88. Uh, a ton of these MCs that have kind of been in the game for a while, established, have been there. But the way that Kendrick has talked about his, you know, growing up and stuff, has sort of dovetailed into like so many questions I had. And yeah, he's four four major studio albums under his name. In this would be number five, and I think it's going to be the last one we get of that version of him. You know. And if anything, we might get a version of him that's very, how can you say, like, already one foot out the door. Mm. Like, we might get a very, like, alter ego type release. Um, The name of the album is actually called Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. So he might be Mr. Morale and, you know, have like a whole palette that he's drawing from that's different from what he's already done. So we might already get that. We might've already heard the last of like Kendrick Lamar as we knew him, but we thought on this episode, it'd be fun to do a retrospective of his career and talk about his music and do that deep dive. So I just wanted to give myself some props for being on the internet early on this one and texting my (laughs) boys about it. Josh, can I get some actual props on air on record from you, please? Uh, I mean, the fact that you scooped me
3: on this information, Thirty-five minutes ahead of time, it's it, it actually pains me because I'm literally on Twitter for work and I miss this and I feel like a lot of my a lot of my kind of stratosphere
0: circle this thing. But
3: props to you. Dweez. You got it
0: via text. You didn't see it on Instagram no, first. No, no, you didn't no. see it. You I got, got it via text. text
3: from Dweez Dwyer, as I have you saved on my phone. But uh, so props on that. I want to give you. Your, your, Thank you. Your your, 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 your good. I will take good, uh, those. Good props on that. I want to ask you. You kept you keep on talking about um this is probably the last of kendrick as we we knew him as kendrick as he was just an overview, overview before we deep dive into like catalog and our experience with him what does what has kendrick lamar been over the over the course of 2011 to now like what is this this uh this act of kendrick
0: well you- 2011 spice are we starting in 2011 I thought that's that's a Section 80 release date. Or are so we I gonna started. start here, baby? That's just, that's hey, a, that's me, actually start here. This is what we need to know, right here. Is all training. is all my people. Need to know. So back in uh, training day, a few years I'll before you that, two thousand five. I ain't you that, okay? You had a training day today. mixtape with a rapper called K. Dot, a DJ called <laughs> DJ Ski, for all the people who remember the fucking mixtape era. Day. And this is how he rapped back then. It's this is the earliest one of Kendrick. <laughs> one shot kill. Hey, one
1: shot kill. Hey, one shot kill. One shot kill. Pump up the volume, pump up <laughs> the volume. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I say, thinking of a master plan Motherfucker, I'm a mastermind I'm a 18-year-old dollar sign I'm a one-man tragedy I'm Caliban I'm sharp as fuck, but no porcupine Penitentiary blade to cut your ass up Good-looking unk, Looking for anybody that's looking yeah. for me Shotty looking right that's in the eye What do I see? A scared nigga waiting to die Scared nigga, I even got you a suit and tie Something suitable Sledgehammer break down your nail cuticles Nick, I do the unusual Gotcha. Any things necessary In the art war Slam his head Inside the of doors Do not like Little you man dead? Off class clock Roll around To his knees rub Shit I'm a groundhog No I'm a young hog Hugging up all the money From all of y'all That's
0: funny So but Who does he remind you guys of That earliest like Kendrick 2005 it Just by the you That it,
1: right. it on the Does
0: this sound like Anybody to you Like somebody, somebody jump out
1: Would you mind dick You know who
0: you Fuck you easy Yeah. Mm. Exactly. For me, like, 100% Lil Wayne. Uh-huh. And Lil Wayne at that time was, like, You're running the, alien. the mixtape world. Mm-hmm. Like, from mid-2000s, early 2000s, a little bit, but especially, like, right through when Katrina happened. And that whole era, and like as yeah, Slim, who loves the South, right? Like Southern hip hop, I think got to its peak when Little Wayne got to his peak. Mm. So as as Wayne, like you know, I mean, now we got Migos, and it's more like stratified. But that was when like the South like needed to be heard. I mean, Slim might disagree with me.
2: No, I'm, I'm just
0: trying to think. Like, all right, yeah. So like we have the South like was formally welcomed with the hip hop. Full- But when Wayne, like, was on these mixtapes, he was the best rapper. But I think when
2: Wayne, like, was in his mixtape era, he was... He wasn't beholden to a Southern rapper, right? Like, totally. He
0: was... He was on his own... He was on his own
2: stratosphere. I think the the Young Jeezy era was, like, when it was at its peak, the South thing. And then, yeah, like, I think Wheezy was his own fucking, like, thing. He was, you
0: know... Well, I mean, you bring that up. It's like Thug Motivation is mentioned so many times in Good Kid Mad City and Bumpin' Jeezy's first album, Looking Distracted. Like, I think Kendrick Lamar was more influenced by Southern hip-hop than probably any other. Like, he didn't grow out of a West Coast tradition, is what I'm trying to say. And I think he grew into this mixtape era. And it's no surprise that after Training Day, his next mixtape, as you're about to find out, know. I think this was in 2009, so right before. So that was Lil Wayne co-signing K-Dot's, K-Dot's K-Dot. second mixtape, C4. In which he does a ton of wheezy songs. And that, that whole intro, you can just tell it's K Dot geeking out on the side, like Little Wayne's about to introduce my mixtape. This is 2009 before Section 80, before everything. And he's like just geeking out being next to Little Wayne. So, you know, it's, it, I think it's not only is it like a stylistic borrowing, but he was like worshiping Little Wayne at that time. And he really, he he built his whole like mixtape career and getting these cosigns off of like, I think, kind of a replication of what he liked best about Wayne. Of course, he becomes a completely different rapper than Wayne. They couldn't be more different. But in those early days, he was rapping a lot like Little Wayne as well. So these are kind of like a little bit of taste for the first two things and then i I wanted to give and i'm gonna ask you guys in a second to get off my prophesizing shit about about how 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 the origins of kendrick kendrick started but um, i'm gonna get into my oldest memory of kendrick lamar and uh it was overly dedicated which is the the only formal mixtape that he has on spotify if you look it up now and that was 2010, so that's right before Section 80 comes out. And the first song I think I ever heard of Kendrick Lamar was Michael Jordan. And as you'll find out, there's one specific rapper he talks like about in this Jordan. song, too. And it just happens to be.
1: I hit the
0: same artist.
1: It make me a fortune. Every time I'm in my city, I be hacking like but my shit. But don't but stink. You have to clean my rolling chain with alcohol in the sink. Whoo. Riding around with niggas that I grew up with so smack milk, but me the meal the smacked like a cheesy type be, lot of heavy and I'm cheesy. too much buddy's niggas I'm too much buddy's hoes. I'm too much buddy's niggers. I'm too much buddy's hoes. I'm too much buddy's niggas I'm too much buddy's hoes. Wayne told me that. And That's just how it goes. Michael Jones.
0: So that's, you know, that's a famous little Wayne line and like that's, like, my first introduction to him on Overly Dedicated. The song is school, but on it and kind of the beginnings of that TDE stuff. But, yeah, I mean, it was all my, my oldest memory was, like, this guy, Kendrick, who is bigging up Little Wayne, sounds kind of like, in those early raps, like Lil Wayne. I'll be honest, I wasn't, like, that into him. I wasn't that excited about him. I was kind of like, oh, this seems derivative. This seems like a copycat, like, on the West Coast in this time period I was so proud of my ability to call artists like I could be like this guy's gonna get big this guy's gonna get big this guy's gonna get big, gonna get big. and like I completely missed Kendrick completely airballed it like people were telling me it was like, I don't know man he could be like the next big thing out of the west and I was like nah I was, I mean, who else
2: were some of those misses that you guys have
0: had well I had mi- I had people who got big just not in the way that I wanted mm. but I, I didn't miss That's I didn't miss. she I, I had a really bad miss <laughs> there's some other really bad ones I have but I like hi my name is Bob mixtape was like early on before B.O.B. became this like total psycho most of them I'm embarrassed about if you look like, at bro, them you now you thought fucking Asher Roth was the one I didn't think Asher was the so one I, I actually am like pizza a dollar a slice I would not no so you know <laughs> he so you fucked them up god that. these guys fucked me up uh <laughs> <laughs> Wale, 100 Miles of and Mixtape, was mm. so sick with Mark Ronson. And then he goes and gets, like, I don't like any of their music later, but, you know, Jay Electronica, at the time, he was also, like, gonna become the big thing. By the time his record actually came out, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. But... Kendrick I just wasn't And I was actually at Coachella one year Like in 2010 or whatever And my, I had this friend of mine, Travis Who's just like, dude, Kendrick
1: And I was just like, nah
0: Like, nah, man Like, it's not gonna be it And this is all before Section 80 came out And at the time There's just one more record I'll play And no, I'm finally gonna get you guys To uh, to get your oldest your oldest memories But um, there is a version of Overly Dedicated Which is not the version on Spotify uh, because i don't think the samples are clear fuck, but the one that originally came I out the real mixtape had a song called i do this which is bitch, like i think his first single up. technically Kendrick's first mentioned. single and it I goes a little something like
1: the homies say i'm the true ass the bitches think i'm the cute the definition were cool ass but that you hey, hey, know that yeah.
2: See a little more Kenji coming out right there.
0: Yeah, so this was actually the remix to it. Um, and this group called You and I is the one that came on, and you and I went to school with me, like at LMU. So I knew Yannick. Yannick was like a big fixture in that whole scene with Pacific Division and I was like I I got Pacific Division's first magazine feature so I was like at the forefront like with a lot of these artists and like trying to cover what was happening and when I heard this I was still kind of like I don't know you and I's jumping on the remix with with Kendrick but if you asked me at that time I would have been like you and I had a better chance than Kendrick that's how horribly wrong I was and shout out to Yannick he's like a friend um but you and I like doesn't Really make music together anymore? Uh, I think he still does some stuff, but yeah, as Thurs. But yeah, like I was so wrong. I couldn't have been more wrong. So, what was your what was you guys's first impressions of of Kendrick? And when did you first like remember hearing him? I I'm a basic ass bitch,
2: so my first intro to Kendrick was the uh, Backseat Freestyle.
0: Ooh,
2: so like later in the yeah, day. yeah, yeah. So yeah, I actually it's funny because it, um. I think it was she had heard the song first and kept fucking, you know, that That she The R- Relentless. Power, Like you relentlessly saying the same shit over and over again. Um but yeah, that fucking did get big as IFA Tower so I can fuck the for 72. Yeah. That shit, oh god, this beat too.
1: Martin had a dream.
2: Can yeah, you get man. a
1: dream. All my life I want money
2: If I raise my mind I'll die from that shot Get it! I pray
0: my dick get, get big it as me the apple ties Talk so about the world For 72 hours <sighs> Man,
2: I
3: get So that's
0: off, so that's off Good Kid Mad City The third song On it Released in 2012, 2012. His follow up to Section 80 As it were Second album Um Yeah, I mean Come on like, That I mean that
2: fucking song
1: Jesus Christ If I live life On my niece, He's great. It's, it's crazy. crazy. I wish, like, <laughs> you could <get> dick. <laughs> lucky, <laughs> but you're really up.
3: Uh, time on the <laughs> patience <needs> to, <laughs> to fuck the world for 72 hours. <laughs> if my dick was as big as the apple <laughs> Tower, oh, yeah,
2: give me that work.
3: Spice, what was your oldest Kendrick memory? Um, we was a song off of Section 80. Uh, my guy Sean out in Queens, who was like the. the deep music dweeze of my life prior to to college and stuff we no longer talk it just kind of just happens I guess but um I heard rigor mortis and I was like what is I think it's rigor mortis where it's like it's like what is this elevated music type beat is that rigor mortis
0: yeah so I'm, uh, I'm gonna pop it on here real quick All right, here we go third take Oh, Trumpets. So you like loved the beat? No, I did not love oh, the beat. Oh, you did not? Yeah. He yeah. felt frantic and you didn't like it.
3: I think maybe it was. Was there a different song that sounded more like. Before he had any, any Latino
2: friends, so the trumpets didn't hit the way that it does there. Yeah.
1: And this is rigor mortis And it's gorgeous When you die Ali recorded And i morphe is the matrix in my mind I'm out to orbit You're an orphan And a hairdresser
2: combined I'm on the So you didn't like him When he for, you first No heard him. I didn't okay. I didn't so I thought like, his, sweet.
3: I thought his voice was uh, Annoying Annoying was Was
2: was a, was a tenor it, Was a shade of it That's, That's how, how I feel with Meek Mel Like why are you yelling <laughs> at me I, I'm in my car Trying to relax And you're fucking yelling Relax <laughs> For sure, for sure. What,
0: what do you think about His voice is annoying I never thought his voice was
2: annoying. I think it's just amazing it's it's, when he goes in alien mode, like, if you don't, like, if you're just going off the, pho- like, the, the phonetics of it and not, like, what the content is and the reasoning behind why he's doing that voice, you're like, why are you so fucking squeaky sounding right I don't know if this is, like,
3: exactly how it aligned, but I, my, my experience, like, it was, like, Kanye and I heard Cuddy and then that kind of laid the baseline with like, this kind of new world and J. Cole kind of came in, And then I heard such name. Yep, yep. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. Like, I was I, I've mentioned them a lot before, like, 50 Cent meant a lot to to my group. Queens. growing up. It's just like yeah, pop course. rap fucking club hits that we were way too young, like, to ever be in a club for. But like, like that kind of like heavy fucking boom, boom, boom. And then he just had a voice I was like, He's trying to play off of like a kind of a thug demeanor, a gangster demeanor. That's More that,
2: you like the more melodic, like at that time. For yeah. sure,
3: for sure, for sure. And then Kendrick's voice was just so fucking unique and out there that it immediately was like, like this is like we Like you get used to the voices of first of it was for me, it was always Nas, Jay. And then like you learn about Big and Pac who had passed already. And then you like go really deep in like, you know, ghost phase, all the Wu-Tang family. And then it's like, no one had sounded like Kendrick to me in the past. And I was like, can a voice like this actually make it as a popular rapper? And I was like, kind of, I can't speak for the, the black kid experience in New York or Jersey or the Hispanic experience, but like for the Korean American experience here, like that's, we're all there. But I know Sean was a guy like you who really could kind of forecast this stuff. And he's like, no, nah, no, nah, you don't understand. Like This guy's going to be fucking huge.
0: Yeah. I mean, by the time Section Eighty came out, I was like on board. It was those first three mixtapes that I was like, I wasn't really feeling it because you hear a song like this... Sure, uh-huh. and it's just like
1: fuck that, to the face.
0: fuck that. Uh, that. Yeah, I think uh, what we see in this first record is you just see his duality. I mean, he's a Gemini, right? He raps about being a Gemini all the time, having like the two states of mind: good kid, mad city. Like it's that, it's that sense of like knowing the streets, but not like, but being trying to do the right thing. It's the, it's the tension between things, and it's like he's made four straight albums. So of exploring like this 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 tension in different ways but the whole adhd thing for me really did feel like holy shit this guy's like i'm gonna be the voice of a generation and then like goes and proves it and
2: i mean that's like when lil wayne was saying he's the best rapper of all time when he was 16 right he Spoke it into existence
0: yeah Cause he was like, and he like, the whole song's about like there was just so many things that felt so authentic to me. I mean, this song, this this album came out what 2011, so I was three years out of three years out of college, and like had just moved back from Brazil and just like trying to go out to bars and like seeing what people were doing for work and like seeing what these girls were out here doing. And it was just like, Kendrick was just, he felt like he could have walked in at any minute and had a conversation with me. And like, that's how accessible, like his views of the way things were transpiring were. And that's why I say like, when you grow up with him, you up with him. But it wasn't until like this record where I really knew, Section 80 was the first time I knew that I'm like, oh my God this guy's gonna be like this guy this is a perfect album like it's front to back already perfect yeah, yeah. and like people weren't people weren't splitting things like that in the old days we had conscious rap and we had street rap mm-hmm. and you were one or the other flip quality Most Def conscious mm-hmm. rap to your point 50 Cent street rap even Nas to an extent like Nas did play around with that which we can talk about later about how similar they are but it was really one or the other. You were a you were a street radio rapper or you were an underground M C who talked about like, you know, injustices of the world, right? And so and people ruled out the whole idea that you could be both or like both. Like you were one or the other. You were a backpacker or you were like you know,
3: listening to it for other reasons yeah. I mean I remember the first radio hit I heard Kendrick on was uh, Swimming Pools mm. and I remember just like it was like a fun radio hit and then you look into it and it's like someone severely battling alcoholism mm. and like awkwardness at a party and like just drowning in their fucking drowning in their fucking anxieties with swimming pools of fucking liquor and all that shit and like, drowning in the liquor. Sounds
2: and wonderful.
3: And it was just like drowning, you look at it and you dive and it just became like a hook of the top 40 kids of that generation, which I was a part of. Mm-hmm. And then you look deeper into it and it's like duality of that,
0: well, proved, of that. He proved his own point. Yeah. Which was that like, if I just sing this song, this hook like this, people are going to love it. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm going to actually like say what I really mean. In the verses in between. Yes. And so people really did, like, you go to a party, like, pour up, Drake. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people yeah. were, like, without a, even the hint of irony. And I think that there's probably still, like, half half the people who've heard that song or who know that song might think it's actually, like, a proper party song. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and that, and that even speaks to a whole other thing about hip-hop, which is, like, there's a lot of people who are nothing like me or people who, like, really, like, dissect the lyrics and try to understand. They just, like, want to fucking vibe out. You know, it's not about like some specific hidden messages and like the literary component, the storytelling side. Mm. Like for some people, it's not about that at all. And I think that he knew that. He's always known that. Mm. And he like built a lot of this stuff into his songs. And so I, the, one, the one last thing I was going to say about Section 80 before we, uh, you know, get even crazier with, uh, with Good Kid, Mad City is this song, which was probably like my favorite of that album. Uh, showed me also that he had like range musically and introduced me to like what still is one of my like favorite uh, musicians ever and like for me like if we're talking about Los Angeles and what he brought to the table is he like rallied skilled musicians you know behind what he was doing mm-hmm. which obviously by the time we get to a Butterfly like changed I would, I would say arguably changed music at least changed West Coast music like significantly um, but this is,
1: like, all of, like, on these, your like, swisher, lyrics the of hit. Of your
0: but the big one is, like,
1: halfway through. One more time, time Kendrick. See, a lot of y'all don't understand Kendrick Lamar because you wonder how I can talk about money, holes, clothes, God, and history all in the same sentence. You know what all them things have in common? Only half of the truth, if you tell it. See, I spent 23 years on this earth searching for answers. Till one day I realized I had to come up with my own. I'm not on the outside looking in, I'm not on the inside looking out. I'm in the dead fucking center, looking around. You ever seen a new one? Like that's baby that was man. it. He
0: split the duality right there. He he showed you both sides and then he split it. And like that he has maintained that this whole time and he seems like hyper aware of that and you
1: felt
0: it and my favorite sometimes. part about this is when he says I'm not the next
1: socially aware rapper I am a human motherfucking being over dope ass
0: instrumentation so so he basically says like I'm not the next pop star I'm not the next socially aware rapper I'm a human fucking being over dope ass instrumentation and it's like ah uh, you've just created an opportunity for yourself to do whatever you want hmm. like for the rest of your career which is basically what he's done. Like, how can you have as much success as he has, like whatever, 13 Grammys or whatever it is, without like really like big singles, like never classic radio singles Mm -hmm. on any of those records. And I think he like carved that out like in the earliest days. And um, I'm just like continually impressed like with his ability to like follow through on those original promises of his. And, And again, this might be the last record that we see that. But that was even strange for like Los Angeles rap, like on like a lot of different levels. And, you know, can you imagine what the labels are saying? Like at that time, like, Hey man, you're like coming up in the West. You're from Compton. Like Mm -hmm. imagine how many executives probably tried to get this dude to be like, yo, just lean into that.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of the evolution of like the artists right now. Right. Or just famous people in general. Like Cole is very similar to that, that blueprint of like, I'm going to do it, you know, in my own way. There's all these athletes that'll take time off for mental health. Well, you know what I mean? It's just like people are more aware of like what they're capable of handling, right? Whereas the superstars of the past just drown that shit in alcohol, hoes, and cocaine, right? But yeah, I think that's dope that like, yeah, he's, he's kind of embodied... Him and Cole especially have embodied that like, I don't give a shit about what the the corporate cog and the machine have have created to, you know, give me my path. They, they kind of just did it their own way. And that's kind of why the people that love people like Cole and, and Kendrick just have a deeper affinity than, you know, like the average star right now. Like, I don't think it's ever going to get to that level of like Michael Jackson or Prince where people are just fucking fainting and like, you know, hyperventilating ever again because the the social media generation gives... Us too much access for that allure and that that you know that imagery, but yeah, it's it's a whole different era and generation of like these guys doing it their way and and realizing their power. And I think yeah, Kendrick has exemplified that well in his career.
0: And I think I mean like look, he sets out his his like lyrical goals right there, like tells you who he is and what he is, and then like the very next thing he says. Which is like, I always think of of this. And this is how I learned about Terrace Martin, like I said, was when he says... Fuck him up, Terrace. He says, fuck him up, Terrace. And then he just lets him play the horn. What album is this off of? This is on Section 80. It's the second to last song. It's the absolute outro. But, so Terrace Martin... I mean, like... Sexophone. He's... He's... (laughs) Whether it's YG, whether it's, you know... Kendrick in his later stages, like he's stitched together so much of like this next generation of LA music and rap. And he also played with Kamasi Washington and got Kendrick all through the jazz world. And so it's really like amazing that on his very first album, he's doing all this like lyrically and like starting these kind of projects. But then is also like aligning himself with the right type of musicians, which, you know, people can criticize a lot of things about Kendrick but like no one's ever criticized his beat selection right like mm. everyone always talked about Nas like oh he's great but if only he had better beats right and no. Jay's dope because he's got these ones and this, but it's like he's had it all from the beginning mm. like he's had both things locked and that's so rare um, but I'm just fucking yapping about this now we should probably take our first break
2: yeah it's P time P time
3: Back here, FCFC Pod. Welcome to the Kendrick Lamar episode
2: hey, of our doc. of our incredible journey here.
0: Wait, before that, can we just say real quick, we're drinking champagne? We uh, didn't even say that, did we? We, we finished we the champagne before the pod started. So did we, we, really did we announce the champagne being drank? We
3: did announce a little champagne, I think.
0: Okay. This is the first time I think we've ever had champagne on the podcast. Henry and David Vineyards. 2019. So we're in a celebratory mood's Mally Point. I'm sorry, Spice. Oh, it was a, we are in a celebratory mood. We're celebrating.
2: New we out
3: here. New pads, K dot, Kendrick, PG Lang. New albums,
0: new pads, new pods.
3: But really, I want to celebrate the go-to but very problematic song of the karaoke generation that was right
2: before uh I stopped going to karaoke forever. Hit the hit the music, Louise. Oh uh, yeah. People doing this at karaoke is always, <laughs> always bad. <laughs> I got your girl on my line.
1: in the same line. damn town She iron me like a nigga don't exist
2: Bitch, I need what that
1: am
2: Kendrick Lamar mm, A.K.A. It it business to
1: business me just a car
2: I think Kendrick's biggest car. contribution mm. was the, the new the gun sound <laughs> It's actually more accurate to the sound. Yeah. Well, with the silencer, guys. Kind of. ah. yeah.
3: But I want to say this is <laughs> fucking problems, which at the character reads F U star 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 no, I think I the, M- the U is the star. The U is, begins to star? Yeah. I see. So yeah. you can't say F-U, so F U. I think all the vowels are stars <laughs> F star star C K star N problems. Yeah. And. Man and woman of all ethnicities and all generations were singing this song, rapping this song. And in my heart of hearts, I think Kendrick hates this song. This is very much an ASAP Rocky-led vehicle with two chains on the hook. I think the hook is fucking fire. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, ASAP starts out with uh, all these motherfuckers want to dress like me. He's wearing... He's fucking draped in a fucking Dior trench coat. He looks beautiful here. Then Kendrick comes out as a after Drake comes out of this, the second verse, Kendrick comes out of the third and Kendrick is wearing a leather ball cap, a long Givenchy shirt, which I think was in vogue at the time because Kanye was doing his his, uh, Watch the Throne tour with all the the Marc Jacobs, Givenchy stuff.
2: All them fucking extended t-shirts looked fucking horrible (laughs) on fat people. So, fuck fashion during that era. <laughs> fuck long t shirts. Fucking skinny jeans and fucking blouses like that go down skinny to your knees. Skinny jeans, long t shirts, rose gold necklace. That was the fucking. I miss when it was just regular fucking tall tees. Shout hey. out my Triple A fuck. Out of the
3: Triple A, always. But I think there was, a, there was a part of that that uh, Kendrick really hated. It was a fucking hit, it was a smash to the point where it got to karaoke radio waves. And I think Korean
2: karaoke's to be Korean
3: karaoke radio waves, which I think is is an even bigger accomplishment. And it was on the radio all the time. I don't know how the fuck it was a radio hit because they had to bleep like it's like uh I love bad, 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 bad problem. I love bad, <laughs> bad, 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 bad problem. And so that's essentially what the what the fucking hook was. But um the next thing I remember from Kendrick, and this is timeline's all fucked for for my brain, but was Pusha T and Kendrick featuring on Nostalgia.
1: Says Simon Red.
2: This fucking beat. You
1: wanna see a dead body? Instrumentals from my mama's Christmas party. Troubles on my mind. I still smell crime. My little brother crying. Smokers Whoa. repeatedly blind. My Sega Genesis. Either that or my auntie was stealing it. Hit the pipe and start filling it. Ooh, we cut me some slack. We never did that. This was different. Jeez Louise, please help me relax. Quantum Whoa. physics could never show you the world I was in when I was 10. Back when nine ounces had got you 10. And nine times out of 10 niggas don't pay attention and where and what do you even st- where do you even care?
2: stop this at
3: there's I like nowhere to stop come it it's come at. with extensions like uh we're just gonna let this ride
1: Get you right with thirty six sips, one thousand grams of cocaine, then your name will be rich. Now you can rack it up or sell it soft as leather interior, drop some ice cubes in it, depot, hop, perimeter, see, said son. How come you think you be my connect
3: I mean, said, son,
1: How can you be
3: my connect Then show me how it all makes sense. Go figure, motherfucker, every verse is a
1: brick. Your son, don't Now read what you sow nigga Please read what you sow nigga i was born in 87 my granddaddy a legend
2: alien alien Ooh, so this is this
3: i pay attention to rapper's clothes like drake great <laughs> <laughs>
0: for the clothes y'all just a wild sentence but go on
3: drake got a fucking drakar noir fucking perfume tattooed on him because I think that it had the word Drake in it. <laughs> he also, in a lot of ways, popularized Stone Island for the hip-hop community in a lot of different ways, which Stony is a, near and dear to support his heart, <laughs> so I know they want to hear that. Oh, thanks for bringing back to soccer oh, for a second. <laughs> yeah, come on. That's what, is that not what we're all... Are you not in the same soccer fans? Black and gold tinted legs. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is definitely some kind of tint on this lens, but um, I thought... So this whole music video, if you guys haven't watched it, watch it. It's with Push and Kendrick, all in black and white. And it's it's with Push and Kendrick kind of walking through a street that looks very much like L.A. And Kendrick, this is the first time I've seen him on video since Fucking Problems, where he was wearing long tee, long leather tee, with the... kind of the high-end fashion stuff and then he basically said like "Fuck that this is where my roots are and he was wearing a dodger cap which you can tell it had it's you could tell it's dodger blue even in black and white with the white kind of top of the white pin on the top of it and then he's wearing like a thicky jacket a white tee and some some jeans and walking through walking through the street like that and i was like wow like kendrick got to a point where like he actually chooses exactly what the fuck he wants to do like the image-wise, projection-wise, in terms of what kind of rapper he wants to be, what he wants to represent in the future. And I thought this was just kind of a... I think this was that fucking problem was after Good M.A.D. City and then it's just turned into wait for my next project because it's gonna say exactly what I wanted to fucking say.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> shit. Like, you know, I don't pay attention to rapper's clothes so often but I do think that hearing Josh like hearing you talk about the karaoke element and like bringing up fucking the fucking problems verse and now playing that push it verse like I think this is another thing Kendrick doesn't really get a lot of credit for is his range like as we mentioned earlier in the first segment he had that binary he could he showed you the ways he could be different things and talked about being different things but like I wouldn't have dreamt to like even think of his fucking problems verse for this podcast, just because, like, that's the furthest thing from my mind when I think of Kendrick because I'm just like so obsessed with his albums. But I also remember early days, they were releasing mixtapes with just his guest verses on them. Like, there were so many mixtapes that came out with just Kendrick Lamar guest verses. So, just like, people would just cut off all the rest of the artists and just put down Kendrick's verses. Like, I have at least, um, three of them three full mixtapes of just guest verses like over the years um and i think this is it speaks to the point where like i do think pop music
3: is the hardest music to write just because like to appeal to that many people like everyone thinks the niche is very much easier i think kendrick is well talented enough to appeal to that and like to the point where like he literally said um eight AK I'm Kendrick Lamar, A K, Benz is to me just a car. Like it's just like that's like the easiest fucking rhyme that Kendrick has ever spit. But like I'd say, and that and you want that is one of the probably two most repeated Kendrick lines for the kind of finding casual fans of, of Kendrick and hip hop. But like he can be in that range and he's just like, I'll give you this fucking for the record label. Yeah, let me
0: just shit on this real quick. Yeah,
3: yeah. And let me fucking do what I, mean, I
0: want. Uh, he also jumped on Taylor Swift's song. Yes. You know what I mean?
2: Like in that and do, being okay. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. You don't know the Taylor? Is it the "Shake thought? It Off"? Shake, shake. He's on "Shake It Off."
0: He's on. Um... Sing that
2: for me, Spice, so we can refresh my memory.
0: Nah, it's called, it's called <laughs> "Bad Blood." Bad Blood. Let me find it. People are like, "That's the one song." You know to... I know this song. I uh, get get to Kendrick's verse.
2: <laughs> why is Kendrick on this
3: song <laughs> wait because they had beef who Kendrick and, and Taylor no, really because,
0: well because the whole world believed he deserved the Grammy for the best album uh, of the year so this was their like hey it's all good The to pimp a butterfly year and then she got it and I feel like yeah it was a it was a whole thing uh, I'm not
2: going to talk bad about Taylor because her hive is kind of scary Dude, and I don't know. And we're famous enough where they could come after us. <laughs>
0: I, have, I have no idea where his verse is like within the song. I think it's short. All right, we'll fuck you. Oh, here it is. Got oh. it. It's horrible. All,
2: right, all right. right, we don't we don't need to hear this.
0: Whoa, bro. We got to look at the good and the bad here and they <laughs> <laughs> the ugly
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: right, right, okay. it's not bad you, uh, recycle no, but, you like, know when you recycle just... your own lines it's like the biggest flex in the world and he does it at the end of fucking problems too Halle Berry Halle Louis. yeah like come on the... are we also going to talk so about Kendrick jump... Imagine Dragons well he can jump on songs <laughs> with these people right okay but like before that Okay, I've got like several, several things. One, just to kind of follow back up with this Guess Versus thing. I'm looking at the mixtapes I have. They're on here. Guess Versus of 2011, 38 songs. Oh, he was on his Nicki Minaj. Guess Versus of 2012, 41 songs. Wow. Guess Versus of 2013, 30 songs. And I, I'm sure there were other of these mixtapes. I just probably stopped collecting them at that time. So, like, he's recording so many songs and there's there's artists that are, like, you know, super underground, there's artists that are, like, mainstream. The volume of work that he was putting in was crazy, but he was, like, reserving such, like, careful, like, well, like, planned out things and concepts for his album. All four of his albums are concept albums, who can execute four concept albums like in their career, much less like have those be the only songs? Most people, when they try to do a concept album, they f- they fail, and there's like a whole bunch of it that's cheesy and corny. But uh, we we're talking about things that like we don't love about Kendrick. We might as well just like, or not that we don't love. Maybe maybe misses. Maybe things where Slim's gonna laugh. So I thought I have to play. I have to play this real quick. Which this is from the Kendrick Lamar EP, which uh, I believe dropped. The month before Drake's "So Far Gone," so Drake's first ever one back in 2009. Actually, I think he, he, it was the Carter for the C4 mixtape that Kendrick dropped as K.Dot was in January 2009. 2009 February was the was "So Far Gone," so around the same time, just to just to situate people. But this one, um, this is different. It's. A line that I don't know has ever been resurrected and I was proud of myself for finding it, so <laughs> Like I just wanted to pat yourself on the back today, buddy I'm here to try to tell you guys how excited but, I am about this Dweez is killing it on the boards today Well, you know, well, I'm the, doing, the fading it out, out is all here Yeah, so I'm, I'm doing my best on the boards, you know, we're trying to make more use of music on this as music lovers and you know, I just wanted to just play this real quick because this is the first track on the Kendrick Lamar EP, the first thing he released under his name. And I think, um you know, if you've never heard a Kendrick Lamar bar that you didn't didn't like, maybe this would be the first one. His mama
1: called him He watched House Party and ate jacks He sold games, his cousin sold crack.
0: He pumped Almost there in their vocals Grammys and let the crowd
1: applaud My name till they strain the veins in their vocal cords Give me fame and fortune Me and Trump on golf
2: courses With that being <laughs> said Give me Tiger sports and That's back when people were still know, rapping about Trump, I know, bro
0: I know, But it's funny It's still funny just Trump, was a, Trump was wait. a bar
2: back in the day Everybody knows this now With
0: that being Give me fame and fortune, me and Trump on golf courses, you know. Shout out to 2009 when time time was different, hey. or 2011 or whenever this came out. I've got my ears all mixed up now, but um, my point is, he's not flawless. He, he does he does release some things that that are questionable, but his four albums are flawless, and I'll fight anyone who says anything otherwise. But I wanted to talk about PG PG Lang Spice. Uh, when we were texting about doing this episode, we thought we'd talk about kind of what else he's been doing to paint outside the box and, and do different things. And uh Spice, you mentioned the Calvin Klein ads, so I went and watched all four or five, seven of them today. What'd you think? First of all, I don't even like know what to compare them to because I don't watch like sick online ads, but they were all great. Yeah. I loved them. Yeah. yeah.
3: They I mean one featured baby Keem his cousin. The other featured um Sonder from from uh northern virginia fame right and um
2: <laughs> sorry dogs are going crazy right now we're still out here
3: i think i mean i think josh by his official word i think they're good ads man they're great yeah So that's
0: no, kind of i wanted you to like dive in and tell us about like what you think pg lang is going to offer because that's kind of like their first public facing right, right, right thing right this got launched i believe in 2020 like right at the beginning of the pandemic Yes. It's a creative agency. They, they don't even want to call themselves like a publishing house or a, or a music management thing. They're like literally consider themselves like an everything place. Like yeah. an artist can come here and express themselves. Georgia Smith's involved. I think she's one of their artists. And, you know, Kendrick and Baby Keem, their first record, I think, was Baby Keem's record um, that they also did with a collaboration with either Columbia or Inescope, I forget which one.
1: Yeah,
3: I mean, I'll speak to the marketing arm part of it too. Like when you launch a marketing arm like that with a big artist, because it's been done before, um, but usually the brand is well in hand before you launch it, right? Like you launch it with funding and you launch it with a big campaign that's already been in in in, in the works for years ahead of time. So, I mean, Calvin Klein is all, has been on top of kind of advertising stuff, like being on the edge of it. They've always given... Uh, Shout out for Jenny from Blackbeam. Always, right? They they always seem to have the finger on the pulse of who's coming exactly right now, or like who's like who's right who's who's next. And I think Calvin Klein was kind of the, I'd even consider it kind of like a lux like a soft bounce into luxury branding as Calvin Klein. I mean, the 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 briefs ain't ain't cheap at all, right? Like, so it's like it's a nice way to get into like the Americana branding of it. But I think PG Lang overall, there was it's interesting because I thought it's kind of a throwback to the I think. Early odds in 2010s where you saw like these creative collectives like be um, take on their own branding, right? I think in a certain way, like the the good music and the young moneys of the world did some of that in the past of doing their own branding and doing their own endorsement deals. But I think the marketing team at Calvin Klein saw whatever Kendrick's vision of it. Like he always partners when
0: Dave Free, Dave Dave Free. Free. I guess they went to high school together. Man, and he directed all those commercials. Absolutely. Yeah. It
3: just, it's, they don't miss with it, right? Kendrick has not missed with a music video, like since he started doing these big budget music videos, like art house music videos almost. When you talk about concept albums, like the music videos are a huge portion of it. And they just have this incredible concept. They push people's ideas of what they're comfortable seeing in uh, hip hop artists too. And then they they make it mainstream and palatable eventually because Kendrick's music is so good. There's no real music in these in these commercials, um, which I thought Kendrick might have led with like a new single, right? The old model was like, Kanye starts with Adidas, he's going to give Adidas a beat and then we're going to do a World Cup commercial with Leo Messi, Kanye beat behind it, right? But Kendrick here, he just loves like, I'm going to let Dave Free and um, my creative team do what we've been doing in the music video angle for commercial work. And that's why the Calvin Klein work is really, I think, impressive. And it stands... Advertising gets really old. That that's more than two years old now, and it still holds up. Like I watched it the other day, and it still holds up.
0: You could have told me it got it made like it just came out, and I wouldn't have known for sure. And there's a timeless quality the way that they're like choosing to film things, um, and it's also really like relaxing and soothing to watch. Almost on like an a- ASMR. It's for not sure. like there's a minimalism there.
3: It wasn't Which, released for T V, it wasn't thirty, it wasn't sixty, it was it took as long as it needed to tell the story. I think that was impressive. And I think there's something about I mean, you talked about kind of Kendrick's, you know, um, deference to like Bill Wayne, looking up to Lil Wayne and maybe um I think in his later albums, he does really look into like the West Coast rap history of it and, and owns that, especially with Pac and Dre. Right. But I mean, he
0: does the whole the whole to Pimba butterfly is him talking to Tupac. Right. Exactly. Which is like a crazy concept album by itself. But yeah,
3: I do think maybe this next chapter has a lot to do with Nip and owning your masters. Right. I think there's 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 a lot of that that's PG Lang will own in the in the future. And I know even in the press release press release statement, IG post, Twitter post that he posted, it was like it's. The next chapters can be co-brand adventure with Columbia and PG Lang together as a music entity. So I think that's. Oh, he actually one. released that. Yeah, yeah. Columbia, Columbia and PG Lang together. So I think that's going to be mm. like P- uh, PG Lang as a pure creative kind of arm of it can do the marketing, can do the branding. But I think just like Jay ha- always had um Def Jam and Def Jam attached to who's Def Jam attached to someone fucking huge. Um, I think Def Jam
0: will. I mean different times, I think they were releasing themselves.
3: Right. But it's, um, yeah, I think Kendrick,
0: uh, like same,
3: similar to the Calvin Klein stuff. Like the next music stuff will be well-funded, will be someone who trusts in his vision, invests in him. I think he will own everything that he produces, which is fucking dope.
0: Yeah. I was just looking up the, cause it was, it was, yeah, not important. Um, this is the danger of having a laptop here. Because then I can just look up <laughs> anything. It was uh, looking up the Def Jam because it was Rockefeller through Def Jam. I think Def Jam was the main label. Why well,
2: we need a producer to
0: be on the side with the laptop? Where
2: yeah, <coughs> we need we need our Jamie. Shout out Daniel for editing this pod. Thank you always. But
3: um, no, I think it's super interesting, man. I think anytime, anytime an artist chooses to own his own shit and brand his own shit, I think that's super powerful because right. you realize like everything can be owned by yourself at this point. It's like. They have enough money to fund the whatever the t-shirt pressing, right? The pure concert stuff of it. And now it's like they also have enough money and friends to do the the high-end video work they've they've always
0: been responsible for. I think you've seen that across all of TDE throughout. Right. Well, and I think it comes down to taste. And obviously the people that ran TDE, that run TDE, and people who are helping handpick these artists. Cause the thing is you could listen to SZA's like Z, the SZA, like I think she did S, a Z, and an A, little EPs. And you already knew that by the time she was going to come out with what she was going to come out with, it was going to be insane. Isaiah Rashad, Mm. bro, like Civica, I think it was the first one, uh, Sylvia, um, that mixtape or whatever became like my favorite album of that year, whatever year it was, 2014 or something like they were handpicking these artists and no one had ever heard of them and they were like just doing incredible things. Uh, and it was, it was just based off the taste, but in terms of Kendrick, like, I don't, I don't know if anyone has like the ability to, to like call their shots and pick these people that they want to work with, like in the same way. I mean, we, we talk about Kanye West and like how he can bring in a bunch of musicians and stuff, but, when Good Kid Mad City came out, there was a film by Khalil Joseph that came along with it that was at MOCA in downtown LA, yeah. the art museum. And it was called Double Consciousness. And it had the... or What was it called? It might have just been called Mad City or it was called Double Consciousness. And they had a split screen about that same duality that we've been talking about with, with Kendrick. And on one side, it had like one version of the film and the other side, and it was all playing through, through the Good Kid Mad City album. And it was like one of the most incredible... Khalil Joseph has a... As a music video director, is like one of the best. Shout and out before shout out um, past
3: guests Jason, Soho Kim for showing me Cleo Joseph video and the man hanging off. He's shirtless. He's hanging off a street lamp like a bat, like a fucking eighty feet in the sky. It was one of the most incredible visuals I've seen in my life. I'll never forget it. Like yeah. it just was, and, and that so was all. Crazy.
0: I feel like those visuals really like helped usher in a new era in LA music. And it was sort of haunting. A lot of those images are very haunting because I think that like LA rap left such a, such like a graveyard of like, it was so violent for so long and so scary. And so like, and I think the artists that have come in to fill the void since even like the odd futures of the world to an extent and Tyler, the creator, like they've tried to find their way to like conjure the ghosts on the one hand, but sort of step forward and like, a lot of Khalil Joseph's imagery is like haunting where Tyler's is more like funny and like try to be like over the top ridiculous. That's laugh at our pain. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I just, again, like going back to Kendrick and like his ability to select things and whatever comes next out of this next, this next phase with the PG Lang stuff. Like as soon as I saw that, I was like, and I'm not a, I'm not a marketing nerd, but like that film that they did, the PG Lang did like a little sizzle film. I was like this, I want all of this. That was like, with whatever, Georgia, right? Yeah. I was like, yeah. whatever this is, like, whatever they're going to make, whether they're going to make films. And I do think that they greenlit like a Trey Parker, Matt Stone, the guys that started South Park. I just Park, read that today. yeah. yeah. They are like going to do something together. I have no idea what that would look like. But um, whatever they're going to do, like, I'll, I'll go take a look at it because Josh and I were talking on the way here. Like, we're at the level now with like the abundance of culture and like things we try to do on this podcast with like curating. Like, curating is the most important thing. We're all. We have like too many TV shows to watch, too much music to listen to, like too many things. Like the most important thing is like who can you listen to that's gonna like help you guide you through all this. And when you have an artist who's like by by nature like they're the gatekeeper, yeah. Like and the things that they release are obviously of a certain level. You can like kind of look at what they do and be excited about it uh, in a way that maybe you can't when you know, someone's just like on a major label doing their thing. So I actually think it's an exciting time. I just, yeah, like I've been saying, I also just don't know if we're going to get regular Kendrick Lamar, you know, concept albums anymore. So
3: this is important to talk about, right? You just mentioned Odd Feature uh, right before this. And the idea of the rap collective, right? It's, and PG Lang is another music collective in a way, uh, creative collective. And they say as much creative collective for those who are curious. I read that today. But, for him to start this thing, he is leaving TD essentially, and TD has represented, I think, for me as someone who's coming outside into Los Angeles, like a very authentic slice of LA music, with you know LA artists. Like shout out fucking J Rock. I saw him at Boiling Crab once, and he listened to this guy freestyle in front of him, like trying to get a contract for him, like for a good three minutes, and until he's like, "Yeah, that was fine, bro. That was good. That was good." But beside that, like, what is? Do you guys I don't have any intel on like his relation with TDE other than like I saw a YouTube video today being like TD artists used to change their social media profiles to the artists that just released their prof just released their album until very recently. And then that has stopped. And from everything I've known about TDE, they were very protective over their artists and their brand. And it's very like LA, Southern California, love, all that with Apsol, Isaiah Rashad's of it all. But now it's um, now that chapter is ending. Like what's what what is TDE meant for for you guys? And what is what is TD, what's the perception TD TDE for you guys,
2: like looking, um, like listening and enjoying the music? I mean, with TDE, it's kind of it's the West Coast QC, right? Like it's it's a factory that that builds like builds stars. It's in in their own lane, in their own way. Um, <clears throat> but with TDE, especially with how this you know split with Kendrick is going, it seems like like it's it's a bunch of homies that started something together, and they knew that at some point it was there was gonna be a change in in the chapter, right, and I think, yeah, like Kendrick leaving is gonna be that first page that leads to that next chapter, and you know all the new new acts they're bringing in and whatnot um but yeah i think it's it's a good example of doing it right right like you're doing it so you can build up this artist so that you know you're you're nurturing them until they can spread their own wings and do their own thing if that's what they want to do yeah or you could stay in this hit making machine of like you know like this family that that builds you into to whatever you and that's kind of the dope thing about everyone in TDE for the most part except you know you'll you'll have Random Twitter spats from from SZA and and whatnot, but yeah, yeah. for the most part, everyone's kind of like happy. You see, fucking Schoolboy Q just fucking shooting golf and playing with his friend cheese and shit. And, yeah, yeah. Um, Absol was supposed to be the one, you know what I mean? Before Kendrick blew up, he was supposed to be the Kendrick. Um, but life happened, and you know he's doing whatever he's doing. But I heard he's coming out with an album soon too. He's back in the studio. Um. But yeah, like, it's it's kind of dope to see. It's kind of like, it's kind of a different spectrum of, like, like why I like someone like Cardi B. It's that hood superstar that, like, no matter how famous you get, you're, st- like, you're still hood. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? And with TD, it's like, no matter how much success they've garnered, they're still doing it right. And, you know, like, letting their artists, like, represent themselves the way they want to. And, and that's kind of dope that that came from LA especially with the history of all the breakups with NWA and you know what I mean like oh, yeah. it's it's had a lot of drama and bloodshed and all this bullshit that's happened in the past but we have this new entity in TDE that's, that's showing a better path and, and kind of doing it right for themselves as well as artists
0: for yeah I mean everything Slim said I agree with uh so overwhelmingly positive this,
3: still for y'all, even with Kenji yeah. leaving.
0: So this yeah. song is called "Terrorist Threats." It's by Absol from Control System, 2012. It was actually it was actually produced by Dave Free. So produced started by Dave Free too. Uh, PG Lang. So he's a he's a producer as well. Um, so kind of helping to tie out and like round out this universe, especially for people who are new to it. Um, yeah, I mean like. Let's bring it back to West Coast hip hop history for a second. Suge Knight, the label owner who made it all about himself, who in one way or another seriously contributed to like the demise and the destruction of like beautiful creative careers. Um, with the way that he like went about his business as a guy from the streets, right? I don't know enough. I have not interviewed personally like the people at Top Dog or whatever, but you know we know from the last song on Kendrick Lamar's latest album, which is five years old now. The whole right. story of how Kendrick was found, the song Duckworth, goes a little something like this. Shout out to Ninth Wonder produced. If you, if you want to know the story of TDE and how Kendrick got signed, just listen to Duckworth. It tells the whole story start to finish. Um,
1: this song. Life is one funny motherfucker A true comedian, you gotta love so the, the long and short of it is basically that like The guy,
0: Anthony, who started Top Dog knew Kendrick's dad And was going to rob them at one point And then chose not to if you want to just listen to like word for word One of the best hip hop narrative songs ever It's this song So Anthony is also from the streets Just like Suge was from the streets the difference is, it's clear to me from what I've, now what I know about TD and what we've all witnessed, is that like he's able to maybe shelve some of that street shit, some of that ego shit, and let your artists thrive and let them release stuff. I mean, there's always going to be internal moments of consternation, I'm sure, in any sort of like creative origin Consternation, what the fuck? you know, uh, disagreement. Okay, you could have said disagreement Go on. <laughs> <laughs> I could have, but I get, you know, get excited. We get it. You're Smart. No, I just get excited, flex, bro. Flex a little once. I wish I could. Got nothing to flex about. But, like, I, I do think that, like, TDE is managed, again, like, with that curation. There's been, there's been like, serious restraint shown, waiting when an album is going to come out. Like, let's just wait. Let's just wait. Uh, being careful about what you release, how you release it, getting your artists to kind of work together. I mean, Black Hippie is obviously, like, the group between J-Rock, Kendrick, Schoolboy Q and Ab Soul. the album that will never, I, the album that will never come out, but the like the songs we have heard from them all together, mm, incredible, right? Yeah. Um, and I just think that like overall they've done. Everyone knows this song. I'll I'll play it real quick for all people who
1: who, who might be curious
0: about what Black Hip Hop
1: means. Hey, she got a tattoo and you need we about to form a little group, but you ain't need no, Let's get it. Stuck in a rock in a hard place. Eminem parking with God day. Timberlands pop that jar bone. the bitch nigga tell me how that tar taste. And even Tarzan can get swung on. I never hung out with the loud mouth. You gotta
0: The only downside about TDEs is, is that they're based in, when
1: bows out. <sighs> found in the And on that note. <laughs> We'll
2: take our second <laughs> break and be back. And back with you? You
1: know, everybody having them
0: We are back in the backyard, the new backyard, at an undisclosed location. <laughs> and I just want to play a little song for you guys to start this out. Kendrick Lamar episode, tea time with Dewey as we're going. Tell us how it is, Kendrick. Tell us how it is. A geek and a spider. Wait, I gotta time this right. You got to time it right. Ooh. That's here. Loyalty, loyalty and green tea. Oh, wait. How did you know my joke was coming? And you know that it's too long, bitch. So we're drinking Castleton Premium. It's a Darjeeling first flush tea. Ooh. But it is...
2: (laughs) (laughs) Dweez is holding up his, his coffee mug that he's using for tea that says loyal tea Yeah, but it. do
0: you see who's there?
2: That is Kendrick.
0: It's Kendrick. And it's a loyalty, loyalty, loyalty mug. And I did not buy this for myself. I'm not that corny, motherfuckers. Alright? This was a gift from my roommate, Signe. Shout out to Sig on the track. This is a great gift. I thought it was pretty funny. I laughed my ass off as soon as I saw it. <laughs> and I am drinking out of a loyalty mug or a little dodging action. So this is an Indian tea. We don't drink a lot of Indian teas. <sighs> Three Idiots on Netflix is a great Indian movie. Three Idiots on Netflix is a great Indian movie. We're drinking some... some. This is what I... I fell in love with black tea drinking Indian black teas. They're a lot lighter. Mm. Uh, these... The Darjeeling ones, the first and the second flush. This one was just plucked in fucking March 23rd. We're drinking it. Isn't hey. that crazy? This was just plucked.
2: That fresh shit. I'm smoking shit that was plucked like
0: a monthly note, too. So, you know, we're but we're the same, right? Like, we like that shit. We like the fresh. It matters fresh. If you yeah. wait, it's not so good anymore, right? Yeah. Just decreases in value as you go. But you know what doesn't decrease in value as you go? Kendrick Lamar's music. That's and right. Rolexes. We're continuing the celebration. <laughs> we're continuing the celebration. Um, man, we've... I told Josh on the way here, I was like, I could just do, like, a full episode for each of Kendrick's albums. Ever since we talked about doing this episode a full day ago when we first heard about the announcement of the new record, I've been like thinking about, damn, what do I want to talk about? Because there's just so many aspects to, to, to his career that I could go through. But um, I just like, you know, I come back to like people finding their own way to music. Like whatever you want, dig into whatever you want, of course. But like to pimp a butterfly, man, like... This album managed to create like so many new lanes for me personally. I'm just I just want to kind of jones a little bit more on my own musical journey here. And this song, "How Much a Dollar, Dollar Costs," cost? very famous. Uh, I think it was like President Obama's favorite song that year. Ugh. And you've got this horn in the beginning, this trumpet. Just those three notes. Da-na-na. And I saw those three notes played in Union Station, right where the first ever LAFC uh, the announcement of the crest was when Will Farrell joined. In that same little corridor, they had a, a a free concert series, and the player who who plays those notes, his name is. Um... Oh man, now I'm forgetting his name. God damn it! It's uh Joseph Leinberg. So Joseph Leinberg is blows those blows his horn plays those notes, and it just like sets the tone of like one of the most beautiful songs um, that Kendrick ever released on like a very political album. An album that had so much musical texture to it and what was great for me was it introduced me to Kamasi Washington.
1: Mm
0: mossy Washington, this world of LA jazz, which was rising up at that time. I mean, you have Ronald Bruner Jr., the the brother of Thundercat. Thundercat plays all over this record. Like Kendrick dipping into that world and bringing up some of these artists. I mean, later Mac Miller would work with him, and they'd work with Flying Lotus. Um, in that low end theory world that I've talked about so much on the pod, and that so many people who is who are in the LAFC community and understand the DIY thing. Um, you know, gravitated in and around Below in Theory all those years and, like, what that did, it's like Kendrick was able to tap into that even as he came from this, like, incredible platform that he already had and that hunger to to find, like, the purest veins of music the city had to offer, I think really comes through on this album. The big critique for a lot of people with Kendrick uh, Spice is, is his religious... Lyrics and his like connection with spirituality and Christianity. As someone who's a believe a person of faith, do you ever find it like overbearing the way he talks about his faith, or is it kind of reassuring? Like, do you think? How do you think he handles that in his music, and is it like annoying? Is it an inspiration? Like, what, what goes on with that for you? I
3: think inspiration is probably closer to it. I think reassuring, as you said, all the positives of it that I that I took from when I first heard the song. Um, this song, how much dollar cost you just cost? You just called like. One of the most beautiful songs on the album, one of the most beautiful songs on his, his, his records is about him meeting Jesus as a bum in the parking lot, you know, and just, um, talking about the, his own guilt and his own self-hatred and his, his walk with faith and his walk with God and, um, I always found it to be such a such a modern contemporary understanding of faith in um, faith in, in California faith in faith in 20 whatever when this was released I think even in the past like I think this this one was hidden 2015 2015, 2015 is So when hidden. you moved here?
0: did you move here in 2014?
3: uh 2014 so yeah right about yeah I remember like literally showing my past with this song shout out past to Dennis um just me and me like do you hear what he's saying do you hear They understand, like, this is the stuff that we talk about in small groups all the time, you know, just about having an empathy for for others while, and a lot of times, hating yourself and and hating your understanding of this world. And um, it even goes back into um, Big Mad City when Dying of Thirst goes on, right? Like, there's the whole story, the whole idea of a concept album and then of these these gangbanger kids who literally in another parking lot meet a believer and then they get converted in the parking lot. Like, that's that's a huge through line of Good Kid Mad City and of Kendrick's rap career in general. And I always found it to be the older woman, right, who speaks on it says, why are you so angry, right? And it touches on and Kendrick's music as even protest music to, to you know, it's going to be all right, it's going to be all right. That take place. But also, like, idea of dying a thirst is such a unique retelling and a powerful and potent one about how we, we even say the sinner's prayer right in different ways you know like you're so angry there's things in the world that are, are so upsetting to you and your experience of black America um and they and Kendrick finds the solace of a lot of other black Americans who, come before him of finding faith as, as 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 a as you know as something to lean on in tough times. I always found that to he's very real with it. Um but also I don't think he ever pulls any punches with being like this is huge powerful movement in my life and this is what who who I choose to follow in a lot of different
0: Slim, do you feel like I mean it sounds like all these like the Christian like messaging is sort of Easily accessible and easy for you to see. Do you feel like it's it can be like overbearing at times? Do you ever feel like his it can be like almost too religious as someone who like grew up also with faith nearby?
2: No, I think I think with Kendrick, you he's done so much in not not with Kendrick. It doesn't really feel that um not overbearing anyway because he has so much, like you said with all the features and everything he's done, he's his scope is so broad he's done so much that like even when he does get into it it's just part of his story of like all this other stuff he's done um and it doesn't seem like he's it doesn't come off too preachy you know what i mean and that's the biggest thing like when when kanye gets into his his religious bag like like, he, he kind of teetered that line a little more. But, um, yeah, with Kendrick, I don't feel that at all.
3: Yeah, because Kanye straight up is, is, I mean, wherever he is in his walk and mental health, like, he's straight up spitting sermons, right? I think Kendrick, as a storyteller, in the way that we talked about him, having um, similarities to Nas in a lot of ways, just, like, understanding, like, he's he's the historian, he's the writer on the block, on just, like, seeing everything happening, maybe not participating in it wholeheartedly. I think... Um, What's what's the the first song you heard? Like, what was that called again? Uh, Backseat, Backseat freestyle. Backseat freestyle. That's of him like putting on a character to be like this macho bravado person when he's not that, and just having to him like going around in the in the rap arena having to be this like completely machismo character when he is, you know, as um as thoughtful and loathful of himself about a lot of a lot of different things, and he's he's an observer in a lot of different ways, and so I I, I saw a lot of that in um the way that he talks about faith and the way he talks about the pitfalls of it, I think even The Pimper Butterfly, when he's constantly referring to, it's 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 interesting because he's talking about Lucy and the pitfalls of, 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 essentially, like, if it's a morality tale, the devil is trying to trap you into the modern vice of the world. But then it turns into him, like, having, like, an astral projection, like, spiritual experience with the Tupac and understanding him as a figure, him as a Tupac, and kind of understanding of faith as well, but just, like, he tapped in. There's always something about tapping into some people with Kendrick's music, and I think that's why he has the the play to to talk about faith and talk about God in a way because he's really spinning what he sees on the street.
0: Yeah. So, I think it's an appro- appropriate. Mm-hmm.
3: Alien voice. Alien voice. Hmm.
1: Bitch. Who's probably gonna sing again? God oh, forgive, yeah. forgive me. Things I don't understand. Sometimes I need to be alone. Bitch. This don't kill my vibe. This don't kill my vibe. I can feel your energy from
2: two minutes. The so way I got my drink, got my music, I will share it. What's the they I said don't
0: Okay. okay. I'm not trying to compromise the feeling we love. You try to only co-sign what radio does. Think for yourselves, motherfuckers. (laughs) So, I I mean, I, I played that as well to like sort of showcase... I think someone who's sensitive to, like, religious iconography could hear that and, like, him talking about being a sinner and, like, praying to the Lord and that kind of, like, be a turn-off. For me, Kendrick's always been consistently talking about
1: it.
0: So it doesn't bother me at all. But that's, like, the number one, like, critique that I hear against his, like, greatness is that he's somehow, like, too attached to his faith and he can't, like operate outside of that but I, I would argue that that's like part and parcel for like what he's always brought to the table like that's right. never not been here and that's such a huge part of like so many people's experience in the life like they grew up in a family of faith they struggle to you know retain their faith they have a spiritual journey of sorts uh, when they're younger and trying to do the right thing and you know with wherever people stand on their own spirituality I know like in the north end there's probably plenty of people across the spectrum from you
2: know super i think that to. i think that viewpoint is the biggest problem with this generation right like he's he's living what he believes right and people will be like you, you're doing too much you're trying too hard right and that's why people will say like romance is dead like where if a dude's trying hard and he's being persistent you're being creepy you're you're thirsty right like Like, you're not cool anymore if you're really passionate about something. You have to be always kind of even keel about shit. And I think that's kind of the, could be the downfall on people in general. is like, if you really love something like it, like, do that to its fullest fullest extent, right? Whereas even myself, this is something I tell myself all the time, it's like, stop trying to be cool. Stop trying to, you know, like, there's all these, like, checks and balances of what you should be and what you shouldn't be in this world and people are so much more aware of people's um opinions on shit and and the dopest people that that come out of this life are the people that give two shits about like you know those those checks and balances
0: is the north end not a, like a fucking throw over the table we don't give a shit about how we're supposed to look exactly like we're just gonna As go nuts
2: Like people from LA we're not supposed to be this loud and abrasive and passionate about anything we're supposed, supposed to, to be play cool, cool. We're supposed we're to chill. lean back not yeah. cheer that hard we're,
0: like be on your phone a little bit exactly maybe you're exactly. gonna come come, come late leave early and, that,
2: and that's why the north end is so powerful right it's, it's, it's the antithesis of what yeah. what the norm is now right Um, and that's what's so dope about it and and, and that's the case in in so many factors of what the North End is, of the community of, you know, like I I say we've said it all the time, like anywhere else in LA when you meet people, you find out what do you do, what are you about like, like, what's your job? How much do you make? Yeah, you put, Whereas, it, you put like, someone in a box. Yeah. We've known so many people in the North End for so long. Five years, six years. We don't know what the fuck you guys do. <laughs> I, like, uh, unless you post about it on Instagram, I don't know what the fuck you're doing. Most of y'all, you post about it on Instagram, I still don't know what the fuck you guys are doing. <laughs> so it is what it is. And, and, like, that's the beauty of it. And that's why Kendrick is as great as he is. is because he, like went against the grain and he he did it on his own accord and and there's nothing cooler than that really right i mean this is for kendrick and
3: i think his, his own spiritual walk like the way i equated to and because spice has been in italy okay i know a little bit okay, <laughs> i've been to the vatican but the, the tour guide the vatican was like some people are really offended when we're like oh we got to see all these churches because it, and it's like not because like we're trying to convert you, it's because these are, now have become like symbolically, historically, artistically important because of how faith and the church and art always intermingle and mix at them. I literally put Kendrick on that level, which is like, Kendrick are is just bad. At kingdom? Yeah, I mean, the, the man wore a fucking Pope costume, Pope called <laughs> outfit in, in, in Be Humble, right? But it's just like, I really think like he's like so beyond like, he's literally like, everything he talks about is going to be a lot of everything. And you have to respect the faith part of it because yeah. he just stands yeah. on a body of work you never so
0: complete. I mean, that's really interesting like the way you kind of just brought it back there was like faith itself is enthusiasm.
1: Sure. Right? It's, Fanatic an, it's it an enthusiasm
0: right. for for something. And if like we live in a world like Slim's describing where enthusiasm is sort of like looked down upon or looked on as a weakness or uh, something like to stay away from then it stands to reason that people like look at it suspiciously when instead like yeah you're right like I mean travel the world what are like the most celebrated sites the religious sites that it's from that enthusiasm that people find inspiration for some of the best art that we've ever seen some of the best expression architecture like say what say what you will that's, that, that's a valid point but so for all the people who think Kendrick's too religious
1: listen miss-
0: to
3: world is there
1: you find meaning in it when you
3: can but you walk through it and you, it and you have to appreciate at least the pure breath of work that you're looking at. Right? I think Kendrick has earned that from us. And regardless of if he talks about faith ever again, like you know that he was walking with someone. I'm gonna I'm gonna play
0: one more song before we do recommendations, which spoke to what Slim just said. It's kind of a deep cut off of Section 80. It's called Cushion Corinthians, and he dropped the line
1: in there that goes a little something like this. I look for the answers later Make a right, there they go Sometimes gotta ride to it, ride to it Cause you never know when a bullet might hit And you die to it, die to it, die to it, die to it Live your life, live it right Be different, do different things Don't do it like he did Cause he ain't what you is But we can win, win, wait Let's get straight to the point
0: Don't do it like he did cause he ain't you know, mm-hmm. so like that's he just. Yeah, I mean, he's been encouraging the same. Like I said, the consistency's been, been there since since the beginning with Section kind of 80. So but I think it's dope. Um, for my recommendations tonight, I'm gonna be pretty on brand with the episode. Uh, I like can't. If you're a music lover, even if you don't love hip hop music, even if you can't kind of count yourself as a rock person, if you are a person who loves Los Angeles, Los Angeles and you want to understand more about Los Angeles and the experience of people in Los. Angeles, in Los Angeles, in Los Angeles take the time you need and listen to all four of his albums front to back like even if you gotta listen to one song a day and think about what he's talking about even you gotta look up the lyrics sometimes you know i know that not everyone can absorb hip-hop lyrics straight up it's just like these are narrative they're books they're four books that are worth reading about los angeles if you want to better understand it and i my recommendation is to listen to at least all four of them you've got the black panther album you've got the Untitled and Unmastered, and his mixtapes and his features and all that, but straight up, his masterpieces—the four, Section 80, followed by Good Kid, Mad City, To Pimp a Butterfly, and Damn—and hopefully this new one will be will be another one in that in that mix. But those are perfect albums, and they're so representative of this city and there's you know landmarks galore
1: and uh you can
0: learn so much about it and if you're listening to this and you just love los angeles from afar and you love lafc and you want to understand it it's hard to pick a better artist to like kind of walk you through that world so that's my recommendation is for Lamar album. space you got
3: Yeah, staying on topic again um,
0: for the YouTube community, YouTube lovers,
3: YouTube premium members out here. Take care for everything. But uh, check out um, Kendrick Lamar, that part, uh, guest verse on Genius. They just do, like, um, kind of a breakdown of the rhyme scheme of the different couples that he rhymes in. And, like, do a really cool highlighted feature where you see, like, all the references that he's he's talking about in, like, a 45-second span. And you see how genius the guy's fucking, the rhythm is, the best cadence is. And um, how much he fits in into um, into just, like, a single guest verse. I mean, that's one of it. Um, yeah, definitely watch that part, genius on YouTube. And um, that's my recommendation.
2: Staying on brand. Um, there's a podcast on Spotify called Dissect, where they'll break down. I mean, it's it's Kendrick's uh, Pimp a Butterfly album is the first season of it, um, and they just kind of do a deep dive into the lyrics, the the story behind it, um, and yeah, like if you're gonna start with with dec- recommendation, listening to the, to the albums. Um, and if you want to go deeper into the breakdown of those albums and listen to the dissect podcast and shout out Joe from the, uh, none of our business podcast that recommended that podcast to me. So podcast inception, um, yeah, you can check out none of our business podcasts too. Um, some things have changed over there. Uh, Phil, Phil is no longer with the pod anymore. He's doing his own thing. But, uh, Deech took his place, so, uh, shout out our boy Deech from Black and Gold Cycling Club, and you guys can check out none of our business podcasts on all your listening platforms.
0: And I think our Darjeeling teas are running dry, Slim.
2: And I have to pee again, because I ain't drank beer in a while, so BRB! FCFC. FCFC. F-C-F-C. F-C-F-C. F-C-F-C-F-C. FCFC FCFC FCFC, F-C-F-C.